Eat, give me the words to say, Father. Help me to be able to, as I attempt to teach this text and teach this passage, Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would help me, and Lord, that we would be able to learn from your word uh, tonight. In your precious name I pray, amen. amen. Alright, well, we're there. In Hosea chapter number 3, and Hosea chapter number 3 is the shortest uh, chapter in the book of Hosea, but to be very honest with you, it's probably one of the deepest chapters in the book of Hosea. And as we've been going through the book of Hosea, uh, you know, you need to understand that chapters 1, 2, and 3 kind of deal with a, a certain subject, the family of Hosea and the different things that Hosea deals with in regards to that. Um, when we get into chapter 4 next week, we're going to kind of change gears in the book of Hosea and begin to deal with, with different things. So, uh, And really, chapter 1 was kind of the introduction Chapter 2 was, was very much, in the, when it comes to the story of Jose and his family, was, was very an emotional type passage, you know. And then chapter 3 is the climax of just the relationship between Hosea and his wife and the children there. And just by way of introduction, uh, so you can understand the book of Hosea, of course, we, we've made our way through chapter 3. We've gone through chapter 1 and chapter 2. But just to, to show you a couple things there, if you look at Hosea chapter number 1, look at verse number 2. The Bible says the beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea. And the Lord said to Hosea, Go take unto thee a wife of whoredom. So we understand that this is a very interesting passage. And I, I, it's, it's very interesting as we've been studying it through. Because God tells one of His prophets to marry a woman who, the, who says she was a woman of whoredoms. Or she was a whore. Now, you, you know, don't, don't let that word offend you. That's a Bible word. The Bible, you know, Every word of God is pure, the Bible says. And I'm not trying to say that in a... You know, uh, uh, disrespectful way, but that's who this woman was, a very loose woman. And God told her uh, him to marry her. If you look at verse 2 there, go take unto thee a wife of whoredoms, and not just that, children of whoredoms, for the land that committed great whoredoms, departing from the Lord. And when we went through chapter 1 there, we showed you very clearly from the passage that I think it's pretty clear in Scripture that uh, it's very safe to say that Hosea had three children. One was his, and the other two were children that were not his children. They were children that his wife ended up having because of adultery. But you know, he continued to love those kids. He raised those kids. You don't see him running off getting a divorce. You don't see him running off. Uh, you know, he, he's showing... And the book of Hosea is about the love of God with us. It's, it's, it, God is, is illustrating for us this man who represents Jesus Christ and this woman who continues to commit adultery on him because the, the, the concept there is that the relationship that God has with His people is that we often will spiritually commit adultery on God. We are the gomers in the story and Hosea is, is God. And of course, as we've been going through this, and we've seen a lot of different things, I'm not going to re-preach it all, but as we get into chapter 3, uh, you don't have to turn there, we may turn there later on in the passage, but Luke 19, uh, chapter 19 and verse 10 says this, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. And that phrase, to seek and to save, I would say is the theme of Hosea chapter number 3. The theme of, of this third chapter is this phrase, to seek and to save. Now you say, well, what are you talking about exactly? Okay, let's just get right into it. It's a very short chapter, but we're going to look at a lot of passages anyway. But look at Hosea chapter number... Uh, well, actually, before we get into chapter 3, look at chapter 2, alright? Hosea chapter number 2, look at verse number 2. 
Hosea chapter number 2 and verse 2. In Hosea 2.2 we find this. There is a lost relationship. Alright? There is a lost relationship. Hosea lost his relationship with his wife. If you look at verse 2, Hosea chapter 2 verse 2. He says, plead with your mother. Plead, for she is not my wife. Neither am I her husband. Let her therefore put away her whoredoms out of her sight and her adulteries from between her breasts. So he's saying, look, this woman that I married, she's not my wife and I'm not her husband. Here's what he's saying. The relationship that we should have between a husband and wife is lost. He said, there is a relationship here that is lost. And in the same way, keep your finger there in Hosea. Of course, that's our passage for tonight. We're going there. But go to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter number 53. If you go towards the left in your Old Testament there, uh, you'll, you get past Daniel. You'll get into those, what are considered the major prophets, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Lamentations, and then you got the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is the first of the major prophets, Isaiah chapter number 53, and we're going to look at another passage in Isaiah, so maybe put your bullets in there, or keep your finger in Isaiah as well. Isaiah 53, here's what you got to understand, Hosea lost his relationship with someone who he once had a relationship with, his wife. And in the same way, God lost His relationship with you and I. If you're there in Isaiah 53, if you look at verse number 6, the Bible says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. And I don't have time to develop the theology behind this, but you've got to understand this. I've showed you these verses before. The Bible says that you and I, God created us, God created mankind, God created earth. And the Bible tells us that we were created for His pleasure. When God created mankind, when He created Adam and Eve, He created them and us to have a relationship with. He created us to be able to fellowship with. He created us to be able to, 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 to love and have someone to love and, and someone to love Him back. And because of the fact that Adam and Eve made certain decisions, and we can't blame it all on them because we know that you and I sin every day, but the Bible is very clear. All we like sheep have gone astray. Just like Gomer went astray from her husband, just like Gomer left her husband, you and I as human beings have left God and the relationship that we had with God, and Hosea had a lost relationship, and you and I and with God have had a lost relationship. Now keep your finger on Isaiah. We're going to come right back to it, but go back to Hosea. Go back to Hosea. These are, this is kind of just giving you the context of this passage, okay? The relationship was lost. Now here's the thing. The relationship is lost because of sin. Are you there in Hosea chapter 2? Look at verse 5. Why was the relationship lost? Why did Hosea say, you know, uh, I, I am not her husband and she is not my wife? Why did he make those statements? If you look at Hosea chapter number 2 and verse 5, the Bible says, For their mother hath played the harlot. She hath conceived them, hath, uh, she that conceived them hath done shamefully, for she said, here's what she said, I will go after my lovers that give me my bread and my water, my wool and my flax, my knoll and my drink. Hosea is saying, I've lost a relationship, I don't have a relationship that I should have with my wife, and he's saying, here's why, because of her sin. 
because of the fact that she said, I will go after my lovers, because of the fact that she said, I'm going to leave my husband, I'm going to leave my children, I'm going to go find other men to commit adultery with. Hosea says, I've lost a relationship here, and I've lost it because of sin. In the same way, God would say, did you keep your finger there in Isaiah? If you're there in Isaiah, just flip over to Isaiah 59. The Bible says, all we like sheep have gone astray. And God has lost a relationship with you and I. You say, why did God lose a relationship with you and I? Same reason Hosea lost a relationship with Gomer, because of sin. Are you there in Isaiah 59? Look at verse 2. Isaiah 59... Verse number 2, the Bible says, But your iniquities have separated between you and your God. What has separated us between us and God? Our iniquities. And your sins have hid His face from you that He will not hear. See, the same thing that caused, you can go back to Hosea, the same thing that caused the break in relationship between Hosea and his wife, sin, has caused a break in relationship between mankind and God, and it is sin. Now you say, are we going to get into Hosea chapter 3? We're going to get into it right now. Go to Hosea chapter number 3. Here's what you got to see. Understand, there was a relationship. The relationship was lost. The relationship was lost, why? Because of sin. But notice what God says to Hosea in chapter number 3. Look at verse number 1. He says, Then said the Lord unto me, This is Hosea speaking, look what God said to him. Notice what he says, Go. You see that word there? Go. That's a very important word. He says, Go. Yet. Love a woman beloved of her friends, yet an adulteress, according to the love of the Lord, toward the children of Israel, who looked to the other gods and loved flagons of wine. wine. So see, God comes to Hosea, and He would come to the situation. You've got to understand this, remember this. This is not just a story we're reading. This is not a parable. Hosea was an actual man. Gomer was an actual woman. They were actually married. These are actual things that happened to a human being. And just like you and I would be emotionally distraught if we lived in this situation, if your wife had left you, if your wife had gone off, if your wife had left the children and gone off to commit adultery or vice versa, you and I would all be distraught, we'd all be upset, we'd all be sad. And Hosea would be sitting there, you know, of course you and I and our human minds would thinking, you know, Hosea just get over her, Hosea just forget about her, Hosea that relationship is done, that marriage is done, that there, there is no coming back, she's already left, you tried, remember chapter 2, he tried to restrain her, he began to remove from her, he even tried to relieve her, and love her, and she, and she still hasn't came back, and you and I would all give up, and, and well, hopefully you and I wouldn't give up. But I know 60% of, of America would give up. 60% of America gets divorced for less things than this. And, you know, it would be normal for us to say, well, that relationship is done. But God says to Hosea, He says, go. He says, find her. Here's what God's saying to Hosea. He says, seek that one that you had a relationship with and go and restore that relationship. And see, in the same way, God does the same with us. Keep your finger there in Hosea. Go to Luke. Luke chapter number 15. Matthew, Mark, Luke chapter number 15. See, God had a relationship with you and I. God had a relationship with this world, with mankind. 
And Adam and Eve chose to go astray. And Adam and Eve chose to disobey. And Adam and Eve chose to sin. And because sin, there was a separation between us and God. There was a separation between our relationship. No longer we had gone and committed adultery on God. We had gone and left God for other gods, for other men, for other relationships. But in the same way that God says to Hosea, He says, go and and seek after that woman that you love. God says, hey, I sought after you. Are you there in Luke chapter 15? I don't know if there's any more chapter that illustrates this better than Luke 15. Look at verse number 1. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. They were criticizing Jesus Christ for the people he spent time with. He says, he's spending time with sinners. He's spending time with, with bad people. He's spending, if he knew what those people did, if he knew the lives of those people, he wouldn't hang out with them. And of course, I love how Jesus often responded with a parable. In verse 3, he says, And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine, in the wilderness, and go after that which is lost, until he find it. And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulder, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Look at verse 8. He gives another example. He says, Either woman having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, does not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. And when she hath found it, calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found a piece which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you that there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Here's what you got to understand, okay? Remember the context. It's very, it's very important. When we read the passages, you got to keep them in their context. What was the context of that parable? If you knew the people that Jesus was spending time with, If Jesus knew, I saw those people, I see the way they act, I see the way they dress, I see what they do on a Saturday night. If if Jesus knew, and and Jesus responds with this, He says, look, if you lost a sheep, you'd go find it. He said, if you lost a coin, you'd go. He said, I had a relationship. He said, I'm just seeking. He said, well, you're seeking for that sinner? Yeah, because you and I are going. See, Hosea, you got to understand this. Go back to Hosea. Hosea chapter 3. There was a lost relationship. The relationship was lost because of sin. He goes to search for that relationship. But here's what you got to understand. He goes to search for that relationship while in sin. Do you understand that? Look at verse 1. Hosea chapter 3, verse 1. Then said the Lord unto me, Go, yet love a woman, beloved of her friend. He says, Go love a woman that's beloved of her friend. You say, Who's her friend? That's Hosea. That's the only friend in the world she has right now. You'll see that very very soon. And by the way, sometimes in this world, the only friend you and I is Jesus Christ. Amen. I love that song. What a friend we have in Jesus. Amen. He says, go yet love a woman, beloved of her friend. Here's what God is saying. Hosea, I know you love Gomer. He said, go. He says, search after. Now here's the interesting part. Look what it says. Go yet love a woman, beloved of a friend. Yet, okay, he's saying go get her, go seek for her. But he says, here's the thing, Hosea, when you go look for her, yet an adulteress. Do you see that? 
So he says, go find her in her sin. The Bible says this. Uh, in, in Romans 5.8, let's just turn there. Go to Romans 5.8 real quickly. Romans chapter number 5, verse 8. I think you came to church for Bible study, so you might as well study the Bible. Amen. Romans chapter number 5, look at verse 8. He says, go find her, yet she's in adultery. See, Hosea didn't say, well, when she wants to quit doing all that stuff, she can come back home. That's not what he said. Hosea didn't say, well, when, when she's ready to get right... She can come back home. And you know that today there are those who teach, well, when you're ready to leave your sin, and you're ready to leave your alcohol, and you're ready to leave your this and your that, then you can come to God. But that God doesn't make you come once you're cleaned up. God will go look for you even in your sin. Are you there in Romans chapter 5? Look at verse 8. But God commended His love toward us, in that while we were yet in adultery, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. See, the, the Hosea, you can go back to Hosea. Hosea chapter 3, remember I told you, the theme of Hosea 3 is this, seek and save. Hosea goes to seek for his wife. So does he wait till she gets right? No. Yet in adultery. Look what it says, look at verse 1 there. Then said the Lord unto me, Go yet love a woman beloved of her friend, yet an adulteress. Now notice what God says. He says, according to the love of the Lord. He says, He told him, go love her. Even though she's in adultery, I want you to love her according to the love of the Lord. And by the way, that's just a marital principle. I'm not going to take the time to go there because we go there a lot. But if you want to go to Ephesians chapter 5, if you want to go to those passages, the Bible says that a wife ought to submit to her husband as unto the Lord and that a husband should love his wife in the same way that love that Jesus loved the church. Alright? So you say, well, how should I love according to the love of the Lord? See, God doesn't love you and I based on what we do. If God loved us based on what we did, we'd never have the love of God. Amen. His love is not conditional. So God says to Hosea, don't put conditions on your love, just love her. Go, she's in adultery, go get her. Go find her. That's your wife. That's your sheep. That's your coin. You had a relationship with her. He's like, go, go, go find a woman and love her. That's what he's saying. And in the same way, Jesus Christ said, I will go and seek for that sheep that's gone astray. Now here's what you got to understand, okay? We said number one, this passage was about seeking. But number two, this passage is about saving. Hosea, like the Lord Jesus Christ, goes to seek for his wife, yet in her sin. But I want you to see verse 2. The Bible says, so I bought her to me. Now you got to understand this. You say, well, why would he buy her? See, and you got to maybe just use your imagination a little bit. But imagine Hosea. God says to Hosea, go. Go find her. Go find Gomer. Go love her. Go be her friend. And you can imagine Hosea, maybe he's done this before. Maybe going to certain places where certain type of people hang out. Maybe going to certain locations where he would know that she's at. Looking and searching highways and hedges. Does that sound familiar? Searching for this woman whom he had a relationship with. Who he wants to reconcile with. And he can't find her. He's going to look and he can't find her. He's going to search. He's asking people, have you seen Gomer? Have you seen my wife? Do you know where she might be? Do you know where I might find her? And I don't know how this all played out, but as Hosea was walking through town, and as Hosea was going,
he happened to walk through a slave auction. Could you imagine? I know we don't have slavery in America today, praise the Lord for it. But in, 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 in the slavery they had in, in the Bible is completely different than the type of slavery that you and I think of today anyway. But could you imagine being Hosea, walking down the road, happened to walk by by a slave auction, and he just looks up and there he sees his wife for sale. She's a slave. We know a lot about uh, slavery in the ancient world because a lot has been written about it and documented. But we know, even from the Bible, that there, there's certain ways you became a slave. You were either conquered, you know, because of a war you were conquered and you made a slave. You were born a slave, or you were a slave because of your debt. If you just got yourself a lot of debt. Cause here's what you got to understand. Because remember, when Homer went to the world, when she went to this, she remember, remember chapter 2? She had all sorts of friends. She had all sorts of party. She had all sorts of wonderful things going on. But see, here's what you got to understand. This is where sin will take you. This is the end of it. This is the end of sin. The end of sin will always take you to slavery, to bondage. It's not, you say, well, it's just fun at first. It's just a party at first. It's just going out and having fun and, and pleasing the flesh at first. But eventually you will always end up enslaved. And that's where Gomer finds herself. Keep your finger there in, in, in Hosea chapter 3, but go, go to John chapter number 8. John chapter number 8. Gomer, Hosea's wife, is now a slave. Gomer, Hosea's wife, is now for sale. Gomer, Hosea's wife, is now indebted herself to the place where she no longer has freedom. She went out to serve sin, and she became a servant of sin. Are you there in John chapter number 8? Look at verse number 34. John chapter number 8 and verse 34. Jesus Christ says this. Jesus answered them. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committed sin, look what it says, whosoever committed sin is the servant of sin. If you commit sin, you are the servant of sin. Go to Romans chapter number 6. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and you got the book of Romans. Romans chapter number 6. Look at verse number 6. Romans chapter number 6, verse number 6. The Bible says, knowing this, Romans chapter number 6, verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, and that henceforth, that means that from now on, he says, if your old man is crucified with Christ, he says, that the body of sin might be destroyed, he says, if you're, if you're saved, if your old man is crucified with Christ, this body of sin will one day be destroyed, he said, here's why that would happen, that we might be, uh, that, that henceforth, that from now on, look what it says, we should not serve sin. Do you see that? So why did God save you? He saved you so you would no longer have to be under the bondage of sin. Look at verse 7. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead died no more. Death hath no more dominion over us. For in that He died, He died unto sin once. But in that He liveth, He liveth unto God. See, what you've got to understand is this. Well, let's keep reading. Look at verse 11. Likewise, reckon also ye yourselves to be dead. Indeed unto sin, but alive unto God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin, therefore, reign. You know what the word reign means? You ever heard of, of a king who reigns over his kingdom? He says, let not sin, 
therefore, reign or rule in your mortal body. That ye should obey it in the lust thereof. See, here's what you understand. Please understand this. You know, and you, you kids that are, that are listening to me, I know there are kids in the mother baby room, and you young kids right here, let me tell you something. You're going to get to school one day, you're going to get to high school one day, or junior high school, or probably even elementary school, and somebody's going to, you know, hand you a cigarette, or hand you something that looks like a cigarette, that's a drug, and they're going to say, look at this, this is cool, this is where all the cool kids are. Let me tell you something, that's going to lead you into bondage. It's going to lead you into slavery. Somebody's going to say, look at what we're drinking, look at this alcohol, it's so cool, it's so cool, it kills brain cells. Yeah, really, it's really cool. Gives you, it kills you. It leads to bondage. See, at first it's a party. But sin always leads to bondage. And eventually, sin leads to death. Go to James. James chapter 1. James chapter number 1. Sin will always lead to bondage. Gomer now finds herself, the party's over. The party's done. The friends are gone. James chapter number 1, look at verse 15. James 1.15. James 1.15 Then, when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. This is the end of sin. Go to Proverbs, real quickly. Proverbs 14. Proverbs. Right after the book of Psalms. Proverbs 14. Proverbs 14. Look at verse number 12. Proverbs 14. Look at verse 12. Proverbs 14, verse number 12. Proverbs 14, 12. The Bible says, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You've got to understand this. And you go, go back to Hosea. But here's what you've got to understand. And, if, and if, you would, if we could grasp this in our life, it would save us so much heartache. Okay, sin always looks good at first. You walk into the... The living room of sin, and it is clean, and it is nice, but when you go in the backyard, you will find death, and gloominess, and darkness, and slavery. It's always like that. Look at the people in the Bible. You see them, you know, you see David committing adultery, but what, but what you don't see is when his child has died because of his sin. When his kingdom has been taken from him. When, when, when he's had to pay with the sin in his family. See, sin always looks good at first. There is pleasure in sin for a season. But it always brings death. It always brings slavery. It always brings bondage. It always brings loneliness. Gomer said, I will go to my lovers. But here's the question. Where are all her lovers now? She's got a friend. His name is Jose. She's all alone. All right, go, go to Hosea chapter 3, look at verse 2. Sin enslaves you. And here's what you got to understand. We're told, I don't know if this is true or not, but we are told by historians that in the ancient world, they would often strip them completely naked. And I'm not trying to be vulgar or anything. But they would strip these people completely naked and just put them out there as they would sell them. We can imagine that the lifestyle that Gomer has has taken a toll. You can tell when people have done a lot of drugs. You can tell when people have drank a lot. You can tell when a certain lifestyle and maybe any beauty that Gomer had at one time is probably gone by now. All her friends are gone. She's all alone. Now here's what you understand. This is a picture of you and I. This is the 
way we were when we got saved. Now you may say, well, when I got saved, I wasn't in slavery. And when I got saved, I wasn't in bondage. But you got to understand that spiritually we were all naked. Spiritually we were all enslaved. Spiritually we were all... You would look at Gomer and you might turn your eyes away and say, I can't believe. Look at the way they have her up there. She looks so, so worthless and she looks like an animal. But that's how you and I were when we got saved. And see, here's the thing. If we understood that, we would have served God with our lives. You know why we don't serve God? It's because we're proud. We think highly of ourselves when we ought not. If we would realize the state we were in when God saved us, we wouldn't have to, you know, just try to guilt you into doing things for God. We wouldn't have to guilt you into reading your Bible or guilt you into coming to church or guilt you into going soul. You would serve God with your life. If you realize the state you were in when God saved you, you would say, wow. Look at verse 2 there, Hosea chapter 3 verse 2. Hosea says, so I bought her to me for 15 pieces of silver. See, here's what you got to understand. Sin will always take you to slavery and death. But the way you and I were saved, the way Hosea saved Gomer, is by redeeming her. The word redeem means to recover or ransom by payment. Hosea purchased the freedom of his wife. But not only did he purchase her freedom, he purchased her. She now belongs to him. And see, in the same way, you and I were purchased. Just keep your finger there, Hosea, because we're, we're going to come back to it, and I want to show you a few more things out of Hosea. But let me just show you these passages real quickly. Go to 1 Peter, chapter number 1. You've got to understand this. You and I were in bondage to sin. We were in slavery to sin. God came looking for us and found us at a slave auction. And then God redeemed us. He purchased us. He ransomed us. He paid for us. Are you there in 1 Peter chapter 1? Look at verse 18. 1 Peter chapter number 1. Look at verse 18. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed, with corruptible things. You were not redeemed with corruptible things. As silver and gold from your vain conversations. Received by tradition of your fathers. You say, how were we redeemed? Not by corruptible things. Not by silver. Not by gold. Not by things of this world. Look at verse 19. How were we redeemed? But with the precious blood of Christ. Of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Say, how, what, how did God make the payment for my ransom? How did God make the payment for my sin? Through His precious blood. Go to Titus, real quickly. Titus, if you go towards the left in your New Testament there, at the end of all those T-books, you got First and Second Thessalonians, First and Second Timothy, then you got the book of Titus. Titus chapter number 2. In Titus chapter number 2, verse 14, the Bible says, Who gave Himself for us that He might redeem us from all iniquity and purify us unto Himself, a peculiar people, zealous of good works. See, God redeemed us. Go to Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter number 5. Last book in the New Testament. Should be fairly easy to find. Revelation chapter number 5. Look at verse number 9. Revelation 5.9. We see here a picture in heaven. Look what the Bible says. Revelation 5.9. And they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy... To take the book and to open the seals thereof. They're talking to Jesus Christ. Look what it says. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood. Out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. How were we redeemed to God? By the blood of Jesus Christ. 
Now how did we how did God purchase us by the blood? We were redeemed by the blood. There are those who teach today, famous preacher, uh what's that guy's name? John MacArthur, famous preacher today, comes out and saying, Oh, there, there's nothing in the blood, the blood atonement is useless, the blood of Jesus Christ spilled on the ground. There is just there's no there, there's nothing about it. Let me tell you something. The Bible is very clear that you and I were redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. If it wasn't for his shed blood on the cross, we would all be enslaved. Condemned to hell. It's the blood of Jesus that redeemed us. Now here's what you got to understand. You say, well, why does it matter that God redeemed us with the blood? Here's here's what you got to understand, okay? He redeemed us at all cost. Are you there in Hosea? Look at verse 2. So I bought her to me, so he purchased her for 15 pieces of silver, and for an homer of barley, and for an half homer of barley. Now you understand, the slavery that they had in, in the Old Testament Israel, in the, in the Old Testament Bible, is not like the slavery that you and I think of today. Okay? In the Bible there was slavery. God allowed slavery, because if you owe people money, you should pay And if people, it wasn't like today where you can just go around and owe a bunch of people money and steal from people and never pay them. God did not allow. The Bible says, the wicked borroweth and payeth not again. That's what the Bible says. So you weren't just allowed in the Old Testament to go around, get a whole lot of debt, and then just say, bankruptcy, I'm done. That's not, God said, no you're not, you're going to pay that. Because you should pay what you owe, is what the Bible says. So he would allow people, and it was actually a positive thing. Some people would say, look, I have no way to pay for this. So it's really an an amazing concept if Americans would get a hold of it. People would actually work off what they owed. (laughs) I know, I know, it's weird. People would work what they owed. Yeah, they would actually work when they lied to someone and didn't pay them. And, And that's a scriptural thing, to work for what you get paid. Now here's what you're going to understand, okay? Go to Leviticus, because there was rules. In, in, in the Bible, you weren't allowed to own a human being, alright? They could be your servant or your slave for a certain amount of time, till they paid off their debt, but there was not ownership of humans, alright? We were, we're all created equal, alright? But God gave certain rules for this slavery mentality, and if you look at Leviticus chapter number 27, look at verse 4. Leviticus chapter number 27, look at verse number 4. Leviticus chapter 27 and verse number 4, okay, you got to understand this, the context is here, talking about, God is explaining how things should, should if, if you're going to sell someone, what the values are. Actually, look at verse 3, just so you get the context. Leviticus 27, look at verse 3. And thy estimation, okay, that's our word estimate, thy estimation shall be of the male, alright, so if you got a male, look what it says, from 20 years old, even unto 60 years old, so if you got a male, who's 20 years old to 60 year old, years old, even thy estimation shall be 50 shekels of silver. So God is telling them exactly what a person is worth, okay? He said, you got a man, he's 20 to 60 years old, they're worth 50 shekels of silver. After the shekel of the sanctuary. Look at verse 4. And if it be a female, then thy estimation shall be 30 shekels. Alright? So you got a female of the same age, an adult, she's worth 30 shekels. Why is a woman worth less than a man? Look, you take that up with God. I didn't write the Bible. Alright? 
Obviously, they're, they're basing that off of how much work. You, you know, whether you like it or not, I don't care what Hillary Clinton has to say about it. I don't care what Nancy Pelosi has to say about it. Men can work harder than women, period. End of story. Men are physically stronger than women. I didn't say they're smarter than women. I didn't say that they're, uh, you know, they're, they're, they have the same value as far as human life is concerned. But you're going to get a lot more work out of a man than a woman. Because even the Bible tells us they are weaker vessels. And they understood that they're going to get pregnant. They're going to need time off. There's not, you can work a man, alright? So that's why probably that value is put there. But he said you're going to, a uh, man, you want to purchase a man. It's going to be 60 shekels of silver. He said you want to purchase a female. It's going to be 30 shekels of silver. Alright? Keep your finger in Leviticus. We're going to come right back to it. Go to Hosea. What did Hosea pay for his wife? Look at verse 2. So I bought her to me for 15 pieces of silver. So they start this auction. They say, well, we've got this woman here, and she owes money, and we're going to auction her off as a slave. And they probably begun, started the bidding, you know, and said, well, started at 8 pieces of silver. And maybe it went a little slow. And maybe somebody said, I'll, I'll give eight pieces of silver. And immediately, Hosea raised his hand and said, I'll give nine. And someone else said, well, I'll give ten pieces of silver. And immediately, Hosea raised his hand. I'll, I'll, I'll give eleven. And somebody else said, uh, twelve pieces of silver. And, and, and Hosea says, thirteen. And they began to notice, every time someone was a bid in, this guy keeps outbidding them. Maybe someone else said, well, I'll... Probably get a lot of work out of out of hers. Could use her to do certain things. I'll, I'll do 14 pieces of silver. And Hosea says, 15 pieces of silver. And someone says, 16 pieces of silver. Here's the problem. Hosea was a preacher. He's out of money. But he has to redeem her. He has to purchase her. Now, do you understand the difference between... I don't, I don't really know the terminology. I'm not a banker. But there's what's called liquid money. Alright? Money that you have that you can you know, put into monetary forms you, like, like we would think of cash. And then you could have money but it's bound up in different things. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like you could own a house so you have a lot of money because you own that house. But you can't really you know, take you know, like sheetrock from your house and say, well here's 15 shekels of silver from my house. Do you understand what I'm saying? Hosea had means, but he ran out of money at 15 silvers of, pe- uh, uh, of silver. So someone says, 16 pieces of silver for that woman, Gomer. And Hosea says, well, I'm out of money. But he says, I can't get outbidded. So notice what he does. Look at verse 2. So I bought her to me for 15 pieces of silver and for, look what it says, and Homer of barley and in half Homer of barley. Now here's how this would go. Hosea would say, 15 pieces of silver. Someone would say, 16 pieces of silver. Hosea would say, I have no money. And he raised his hand. He said, I'll give you 15 pieces of silver. I'll give you a homer of barley and a half homer of barley. And here's what everybody would go. What? That much? Really? For her? You say, well, well, what what do you mean? How how much is that? Go, Go back to Leviticus. Go to Leviticus 27. Look at verse 16. Leviticus 27, 16, the Bible says, And if a man shall sanctify unto the Lord some part of a field of his possession, then thy estimation shall be according to the seed thereof. Look what it says. 
And Homer of barley seed. Isn't that what we're talking about? And Homer of barley seed shall be valued at what? 50 shekels of silver. Do you see that? He said, a Homer of barley seed and a half Homer. He said, 75 shekels on top of the 15. He said, I'll give 90 pieces of silver for that woman right there. Now, the, the bid was at 16. Do you understand what I'm saying? A woman was worth only 30 pieces of silver. And when Hosea raised his hand, he said, look, I, I, I don't want to take a chance on losing her. I went to search for her. I went to seek for her. I'm going to redeem her. He says, I will pay way more than she's worth to guarantee that I get her. And they would look at that and say, wow, you're going to give 90 pieces of silver for this harlot. You're going to give 90 pieces of silver for this whore, for this prostitute. You're going to give 90 pieces of silver for this woman. Why would you do that? But it was the same way when you and I were in slavery and when you and I were in the auction and the, and, and, and the devil was bidding on you and Jesus Christ rose up and he said, I'll give my blood. Amen. Praise God. And they would say, your blood. You know what they're worth. Your blood is worth way more than that. And Jesus Christ would say, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. See, the story of Gomer and Hosea is really the story of you and I. When God purchased us from our sins. When God paid way more than we were worth. When God gave at all cost to purchase us. He overpaid. Let me ask you something. How's he doing on his investment? Are you there in 1 Corinthians? Go, or, or go to 1 Corinthians. I'm sorry, you're in Hosea. Go to 1 Corinthians. Let me just show you. We're, we're almost done. 1 Corinthians. Let me just show you a couple verses. We're, we're done right here. 1 Corinthians. Chapter number 6. 1 Corinthians, chapter number 6. The Bible says, look at verse 19. 1 Corinthians, chapter 6, look at verse 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? Which ye have of God? And ye are not your own. Do you see that? Verse 20. Why are ye not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God. Do you realize what it took for God to purchase you? Do you realize what it took for God to keep you? Look, you were not a good deal. Do you understand that? See, that's our problem. You and I think that, oh, I came to church on a Wednesday night. God must be real happy because look at me. I mean, I'm pretty amazing and He purchased me. I mean, I'm pretty awesome in the fact that I'm serving God. He must be happy. Look at me. purchase you and I. And if you and I would realize that, see, when Gomer was sitting there, probably had her head down and heard eight pieces of silver, hmm, 10, 11, 12, 15 pieces of silver. Then she heard a little bit of quiet because Hosea had to process, what am I going to do now? And she thought, that's what I'm going to get sold for, 15 pieces of silver? That's not even half of what a woman's worth. And then she hears Hosea say, 90 pieces of silver. You think she rose her head up and thought, who would leave that for me? And you think she saw her husband and realized, wow, that man loves me. I've hurt that man. I've betrayed that man. I've committed adultery on that man. And yet he sought me and he saved me for way more than I was worth. See, if you and I would get that understanding in our heads, 
you would serve God with your life. You would be out soul winning. You'd be in your Bible every day. You'd be praying every day. If we realized what the cost was. It was his shed blood. That's an amazing cost. The blood of God. Of Jesus Christ. Are you there? You're there in 1 Corinthians. Go to 2 Corinthians real quickly. We're done. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Look at verse 18. What's, what's the conclusion? And all things are of God. Who have reconciled. The word reconciled means there was a dividing in the relationship and now it has been made new. It's reconciled us to Himself. How did God reconcile us to Himself? By Jesus Christ. You say, is that the end of it? No. And hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto Him, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Jesus, see, God says, I sent Jesus to reconcile you to me. And He says, now I'm sending you to reconcile the rest of the world to me. Look at verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. See, when I go and I say to someone, when you get saved, when you accept Christ as your Savior, I am doing that in the place of Jesus Christ. In Christ's stead, I'm doing the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 21, For you have made Him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Go back to Hosea real quickly. Hosea, we're, we're finished, I promise. I just, I just need to show you this. Hosea chapter number 3, look at this. Hosea chapter number 3. Look at, look at verse 1. Then said the Lord unto me, Go. You know that Jesus says the same things to us? He said, Go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel. You know what He said? Seek. For my wife. Reconcile me to her. I just want you to understand this. He purchased her. Look at verse 3. And I said unto her, this is what Hosea said to his wife after he purchased her, Thou shalt abide for me many days. Thou shalt not play the harlot. Thou shalt not be for another. Man, so will I also be for thee. Here's what he was saying. Our relationship is reconciled. You will be my wife. I will be your husband. That's what God wants from you and I. God wants a relationship between you and I. Let me ask you something. Are you committing spiritual adultery on God? You say, well, how would I know if I'm committing spiritual adultery? Well, the way you commit physical adultery is when you spend time and do things that you should be doing with your husband or your wife and you do it with another person. So, when the things that you ought to be doing with God when you're doing it with someone else, that's spiritual adultery. When you ought to be in church and you're not because you went you know, to the lake, you just committed spiritual adultery with God. When you ought to be reading your Bible, but you didn't get to it because you read the newspaper or you were watching TV, you just committed. It's idolatry. It's putting anything before God. And if you and I understood what it cost Jesus to save us, I think we would go back home to our good husband, the Lord Jesus Christ. So if I had to have a word of prayer, Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you so much. Thank you for our church. Thank you for the book of Hosea. And Lord, we understand that these... Passages could be a little tough at times in the applications, but it's the Word of God. Every Word of God is pure. And Lord, we need to understand, if, if I just really believe if we understood what Jesus paid for us, we'd be so humbled by it. 
we would serve Him with our lives. Father, I pray You'd help us to understand that. Father, we love You. In Your precious name I pray. Amen.